subscribe to this podcast to get exclusive access to the after show shooting the breeze hello everyone today we have ty griffith on the uh, podcast he is going to share his testimony with us and uh, tell us a little bit about what he is doing and uh let him get right into that tell us about who you are and what you do for a living yeah so uh my name is ty griffith i'm in basically the center of the country here in uh, effingham illinois uh, actually uh so if you've ever traveled from St. Louis to Indianapolis or uh, down from Chicago down to uh, New Orleans, uh, there's two interstates where 57 and 70 meet. And it's actually, there's a huge cross right on the interstate. It's, um, it's Effingham, Illinois. I think it's the second largest cross in the nation. Um, and that's where I live in a small rural area uh, where I actually sell insurance for a living. Um, although a lot of people told me I need to go into ministry and, but I, I kind of say I already am in ways. Um, and really for me, it's about, you know, God kind of led me down the path to sell insurance. Um, so for me to say that I'm going to go into ministry would more or less be my decision unless he tells me something different. That's good. Good way to look at it. Uh, and it's funny that you say you're kind of the crossroads because here in Swift Current where I am, we're at the crossroads as well. We're kind of you can go either north, south, east, or west from us. So we're kind of the drug drug center because that all traffic's through here. So we get a lot of big drug busts actually just <laughs> just outside of our city. <laughs> yeah, if you go east of Chicago on one highway, there's a there's a highway between Chicago, which is Chicago's like three hours north of me, between Chicago and Detroit, where there's that same same situation where there's a lot of drug busts on that highway. Yeah, you had two hours uh, south of us and you hit the border. So it, mm. it's just uh, hit us and then head down. That's kind of what they do where they come up and then hit us and then go wherever they need to go. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your uh, day or testimony and, and how God brought you to where you are now? Yeah, so um, I didn't really have much of a church grow- uh, background growing up. Um, I went to church from the age maybe 10 to 12, my the pastor of a little small church from a town of about 600 people. So we were talking about rural and how small the towns are we living now, but try growing up in a town of about 600 people. Um, there were multiple churches, actually, oddly enough. In 600 people, there was four churches. Oh, wow. Uh, so the pastor, there. so my parents uh, still live about a block away from this church. And the pastor of that church kind of came down and convinced my dad that he should come to church, which I think is a fairly common practice, like, right. Proximity. Like you should try to get the person that yeah. like, lives next, next door to the church. They should come to church. Hey, your church, right. They're just yeah. right there. They just got to walk right over. Um, so he did that. And we started going there. I'm not sure too much how much I was into it at the time. Um, but we stopped going a couple of years later when my, uh, my older brother, uh, at, at, you know, it was on Sundays early in the morning. So he was 16. So at that point in time, uh, after partying every night, he just couldn't make it to church every week. And so we kind of stopped going because he was kind of the, the patriarch of the family. Almost my yeah. dad kind of put him in that position. They kind of saw each other as the same person. Um, you know, drinking, especially in rural America is just commonplace. Um, it's the same, and, yeah. yeah. And so I don't want to knock anybody for drinking. I'll still have a, a couple of beers. I'll still have some whiskey or some wine. I mean, Jesus drank wine, right? Yeah. But however, whenever it becomes a point to where 
that's, you know, you're kind of working for the weekend, right? Like you're working just enough so you can go afford that alcohol to, to kind of get you through your day. Um, and and almost, it really does become an idol at that point. So, and that's what it become for me. Anything, you know, kind of feels good, kind of do it. Whatever Ty wanted to do, that's kind of what Ty did. And it, it ended up, uh, you know, it, it really read, led to a lot of problems in my uh, younger years. And so uh, when I was 20, um, some friends of ours, we were supposed to go down to um, a college and go party for the weekend. And one friend showed up, I was delivering pizzas at the time, and one friend showed up and uh, said, hey, let's leave a little early. And I said, well, what about the other guy? And he said, well, he'll catch up with us. So I actually got permission to leave, leave work early. And we went over and talked to the other guy. He couldn't get off work, but he was going to follow us down. Um, you know, and we were going to spend all weekend drinking essentially is what it was going to be. And so we did that. We went down there and, uh, in the next day, uh, we were wondering where our friend was at. And I don't even think we had cell phones. That's how long ago this was. But the next day, uh, the guy we were staying with did have a cell phone or phone in some capacity. And, uh, that guy that was supposed to come with us went to the local partying spot that we went to every weekend. And, uh, he ended up, uh, leaving drunk and flipped his car several times and was killed. Mm -hmm. and, and he was my best friend at the time. So that really, really kind of impacted me and, and kind of sent me almost on a downward spiral. And I remember my brother um, telling me, uh, don't blame it on the alcohol, which, which was a weird thing. Even at the time, I thought it was a, a weird thing for him to say. Apparently, he had had a friend that died in a similar accident, alcohol related once again. Um, but he didn't want me to blame on the alcohol, which is really weird for him to say. So uh, flash forward to about a year later, um, there was, uh, you know, I had, I'd broken my knee playing basketball and I was in a cast and I'd been at my parents, the same parents house. And I, you know, I had been partying. Let's just say that. Okay. And uh, so something in me told me, okay, you got a cast on your right leg. You've been partying, but get in your car and go drive. So I did. I went and I drove and I went and stopped on this one little spot on this road. And it was just weird why I would stop there. And I actually became afraid, afraid at a certain point because I was like, okay, the cops are going to come get me. Like, I shouldn't be probably driving, right? And the cops are going to come get me. And uh, so I stopped on that road and uh, kind of stared down it. And I went back home. Well, it turns out probably about the same time or probably maybe an hour later, uh, my brother had been on that road. He'd been heavily drinking. He flipped his car several times and was killed. Oh man. So, so that's been kind of my relationship with alcohol for the most part. So I started dating this girl and, uh, actually I should back up. Um, I was just out of high school. I think, I think at that point in time, gosh, I want to say maybe I was 20, but for whatever reason, uh, my buddy was dating this girl who apparently was, uh, in high school at the time. Just a couple years older. I'm going to bring that up. And it wasn't my girl, by the way. I'm going to say that. Um, but we went to prom and he went and got her. And then it, and then it, something told me, kind of the same thing told me I'd go for a drive, kind of stopped me and said, Hey, go talk to this girl. And she was up, you know, prom, like when you get the pictures and everything. So this girl was up there with her boyfriend. And something in me was telling me, Hey, you need to go talk to her. You, you need to go say something over to her. And I'm like, I'm like, what is this? Like, it was a real strong urge. I'm like, you know, what is this? This is that kind of that same feeling. 
And I didn't do it because it would have been super weird. I mean, I, I'd assume it would have started a fight if I told this guy's girlfriend who was still in high school at the time, hey, why well, you need to you need to come leave leave with me. I mean, it would have been super weird and awkward. Yeah. Probably wouldn't have worked out very well. Um, but flash forward a little bit, um, I actually uh, started, you know, at the time, you know, she's 18. I want to point that out. I actually started dating that girl um, and she actually became my wife. Um, so, and I went to a point to where, uh, you know, the drinking thing, I just wasn't, I'm just, I just wasn't a very good drinker. Like it wasn't something that I did well. And obviously others around me didn't do well. And I think it's a, it's almost an epidemic in our, in our country to think that we can just, um, you know, drink heavily and kind of live for it. And that, 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 that it becomes our idol and becomes what yeah. we want to do. Um, so it, it's a real big problem. And, uh, you know, I think the, the fact that we have to come to a point to where we can control it or not do it at all. Um, but I became the type of person that would just do whatever I wanted. And then my mantra almost became, I want to make as much money as I can. So I actually started uh, selling cars at the time. Um, and uh, we were, my wife and I were married at that point in time. And I would actually get down on my knees and I would pray to God. Uh, every day that I would sell a car, like that would be my, that would be essentially my prayer for the day. Um, and money becomes and, our idol too. Yeah. Yeah. Money becomes our idol too. So yeah. I would be not praying, Hey God, you know, the Lord's prayer, essentially, you know, your will be done, God, not mine. But I was clearly praying for, uh, or what I like to call uh, a prosperity, right? Like Joel Osteen is a big prosperity gospel guy. Like I'm going to believe in God and God's going to give me millions and millions of dollars well, I mean, I, I've read scripture before. Not sure that's actually the way it's going to happen if it's going the right way. For I think you. that's what we see with a lot of televangelists. Like money becomes a, their sole purpose. And I'm like, I don't think we should be flying private jets as like Christian believers. I think that money should be going into like church organizations or, or, or other outreach. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are there are ways in which that should happen i mean you think about the uh the billy graham years and how many people that that did you know he brought the christ and i'm sure that you may have been traveling first class and all those sorts of things but uh but you really have to think about yourself as a steward to that money um yeah. and and that's kind of the place that that i've came to a little bit and, but i was you know i was in that place where i was praying to sell a car every day and i became very successful at it because that became my mantra like i want to you know i want to make money you know god's going to provide all of those sorts of things well i really wasn't a very good husband you know to be fair um and that's all i really focused on um and and i so it kind of started the change so i see my wife she would pray every night she would be in her bible time all the time. I wouldn't be doing any of that. We would sometimes go to church. We actually went to a Methodist church one time and I, I literally almost ran somebody over trying to get out because every time it was over, I was like out of there. It was like, you could not get me out of there fast enough. And uh, it kind of changed after we actually stopped going to church for a while. And uh, we had uh, our first daughter. And uh, so we decided, you know, hey, we need to get back in the church. Obviously, for the kid, you know, I need to go back to church. She already had wanted to anyways. Um, and so we went around to these different churches. And it was kind of an experience for us because most churches will actually have you 
uh, well, we went to a Lutheran church who would literally say, if you had kids, you sat in the back. So we sat in the back and we're like, we can't hear anything over there's kids crying everywhere. Um, and, uh, then we went, I can't remember the other church we went to, then we went to another church and, uh, um, and then we went to the current church that I know, uh, which is actually new hope. Um, so the current church I'm at the first time we, we stepped in there, I felt that same urge that I felt that night my brother died. I felt that same urge that, um, I felt whenever I was supposed to ask that girl who was taking pictures with her boyfriend out on a date. Um, and so that's really when we made the decision to go to New Hope, that's really one of the reasons for me as to why. Uh, also, I mean, they had childcare, so they would take your kid and we could actually sit together for an hour uh, every week, which for any new parent, that's uh, difficult to get a one hour of alone time with your spouse um, for church, uh, at least. Um, so I started going there and uh, actually one of the pastors, there was three at the time, there's now four, but one of the pastors had given a message and he basically said, hey, um, pray that the Holy Spirit, ask the Holy Spirit to mess with you. Just that, that's just it. Just in your prayer, just actually for the next 30 days, just include that in your prayer. Just have the Holy Spirit start messing with you. And so I really did. I, I took it to heart. I, I started praying that prayer. Um, and you know, I'd called myself a Christian all of my life. And I think I was 34 years old at the time. I'd called myself a Christian for 34 years, but I'd never been baptized. And so I kind of made that decision for that to happen. And, uh, and honestly, on that day, um, nothing went right. I actually backed one of the cars into the other car on the way to get baptized. So I was kind of wondering, like, am I meant to do this? But I, but I went ahead and did it, um, and I was still completely imperfect at that point in time, which was the other thing. Um, you know, I thought I needed to be, like, at least ready to be baptized. I guess I was ready. I was kind of told to, but I wasn't really very a holy person still. And um, so uh, I really wasn't a very holy person anymore, or at that point in time, at least. And uh, I wasn't sure I was supposed to get baptized, but I did. And that was really uh, the beginning. Um, you know, a lot of people think of, oh, I'm supposed to say a prayer. Um, I do this and then I'm good, right? Like I've been baptized. Bible says I'm supposed to be baptized. Then I go to church every week. Um, but where I really got closer to God was because of small group. So there was a small group led by one pastor and that started to get me closer to God. Like really, I believe Sunday just doesn't do it. You need to be in that small group every week around a group of probably people of your same gender. So men's groups works better for men and women's groups uh, to me works better for women. Um, and I really came to a place to started doing a, one of the podcasts um, where we actually do a Bible study and it's called SOMA. And what it stands for is scripture is the first one. Uh, which you read the text a couple of times or three times or multiple times, observations or questions. And your observations or questions are not like, is it true or anything like that? No, it's what is this, what, what is this about? Do I, what, what, what comes to mind when I read this? Do I have a question about the text itself of like, what does it mean type of situation? And then the third one goes into meaning is what is the author trying to say? And then the third one is application. So you essentially take scripture instead of just reading it, and trying to say, oh, this applies to me. And, um, you know, for example, 
you know, I can do all things through God. I'm going to paraphrase it and butcher it, but I can do all things through God. So that's going to give me permission to do X, Y, or Z. Well, that might not be what it means. So basically what our scripture study does is it slow walks you through each verse so that you are the one engaging it. So if there's something not right in your life that you need to apply scripture to, you're the one figuring it out. It's not me telling you, hey, you need this correction because you may not be even be telling me the whole story, but you know the whole story. And if you're engaged in scripture and I'm being honest, for me, it's three or four hours a week doing that just one specific study on 10 verses or less. Usually, if you're engaged that much in scripture, you're, it's going to be pointed out the things that you need to do to kind of correct, correct your own life. And I've seen guys just love it. They just eat it up. I just wish we could get more people that they were willing to start because um, they would, they would definitely enjoy it. And we actually do ours over zoom at eight o'clock at night. So it, it's one solid hour. And even if you come unprepared, it, it's totally fine. You can kind of figure it out after a while. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. Uh, so throughout your life, how have you seen God at work in what you do and in your, your whole experience um, coming to Christ? Yes. Yeah, so I talked about that overwhelming urge, um, you know, the night my brother died, the night I really was kind of told I was should go talk to my wife for really the first time in that way, at least. And, uh, and then also whenever we started going to the church, and uh, so I now believe that to be the Holy Spirit itself. And that it's because I felt it ever, I felt it several times since, and I really welcome it. Um, so that would be the first way is that, you know, the, those urgings really was the Holy Spirit trying to get me to do what I was supposed to do. Um, and also before any of that happened throughout my life, at least a half a dozen times, uh, somebody stepped out. Um, they tried to share their faith with me, which is something I totally think everybody should do, but I completely rejected them. So for those people that do share their faith, um, that rejection, you shouldn't be upset about it at all because that person is just not ready yet. And they'll remember that. I remember, I don't remember every name of those people, but I remember each time that it happened. And I also remember like what was said in the conversation. So it did have a huge impact on me. Um, they kind of planted the seed that somebody yeah. else would kind of grow and fishing. So God never really gave up on me really when everybody else did. Yeah. And Paul and all the apostles, they were rejected so many times. Uh, so that's definitely, yeah. definitely something you're right. It should not discourage us. Um, yeah. Shake and, the dust off your feet. Exactly. Exactly. And be willing to take the beating for Christ because Paul and those apostles, again, most of them had such gruesome deaths or, or beatings because of, because of their faith. And we are kind of spoiled here in North America. We, we haven't really experienced that true persecution um, that so many Christians do experience. Um, so you talk about baptism too. And I, I absolutely love that because I always push in my, in my devotions for baptism, because I think baptism is so crucial in our walk with, with Christ and that public proclamation. What was being baptized like for you? And, and how, how did that uh, in, impact your life? Yeah. So the baptism itself uh, really, well, first of all, it, it was 
the, I felt that it was the urging of the Holy Spirit, the same, the same kind of urge that I'd felt. So it was something that I just kind of had to do if I was going to go along with it, but I really wasn't, I mean, I was ready and willing and, you know, I, I definitely accepted, uh, you know, Jesus Christ as my savior at that point in time, but my life was far from perfect, far from what you would think of a Christian as. Um, so for me, it was struggling with that. And, you know, everybody still struggles with certain things and all of that. Um, but for me, that it was the, really the start or the beginning of it. Um, and then, uh, then, and then, you know, things like the small groups definitely helped out going to church, opening my heart. Uh, really, that's the biggest thing that I think that baptism did for me uh, it was it softened my heart to everything else that may have been said to me previously, but I wasn't listening to. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's very true. And studying and learning about God is super important in in our lives. I also harp on that all the time, praying and, and studying the Bible. And I really love that you do kind of do that in in the podcast that, that you guys do with your Bible study. I I really like that. Um, Can you explain just in your, your own words, how important studying and learning about God is? in your own life and in the lives of other people. Yeah. So, um, the, the, the podcast and it's actually a scripture study is actually small groups around it too. I actually lead a zoom group. If anybody's interested, um, what it does is rather than just reading some of the text and kind of, um, kind of saying, Oh, well, that, that's what that means to me. It's really about engaging the text and, by engaging the text, what I mean is you're gaining context. So you're reading the one before, the one after. You're reading it multiple times. Uh, you're coming up with questions and observations about, about the text, and you're kind of answering your own questions. You're coming up with a meaning, like, for example, uh, you know, Luke was talking to the Greeks when he wrote his gospel. So what is Luke trying to – what message is Luke trying to convey to the Greeks? Yeah. And, then the, and then the last part is application. So you're basically taking Scripture through all of those steps and leading – So how do I take what I learned and studied about and had questions about and answered my own questions in this, in this particular small piece of scripture and then apply it to my daily life? So, so for me, and I, I think several of the guys as well, it, it's really about engaging that text and me to read through it and say, this is what the text is telling me to do with my life, or this is what I need to address in my life because self-correction for and is way more effective than somebody else telling you what you need to fix, which I think is a problem in the, the Christian society is it's so much you need to do X, Y, and Z. But if I come up with X, Y, and Z on my own because I studied scripture, wow, that's way more effective. And hey, it's probably more right than somebody else telling me what to do. Well, and God speaks to you through the scripture too. Like it, and you bring up context too. And I, I focused on that one of my other uh, in one of my devotions is is that Matthew, Mark, Luke, like people say, oh, there's contradictions. Well, it's like they're not contradictions. They're a different points of view, but they're also they have different things they're trying to focus on. So they've brought up different things than what the other person has or like some of them are doctors or or whatever tax collectors, different walks of life. So they focus on different areas and things and they notice different things and you're going to get that even with eyewitness testimony when you're in in court and stuff and if we can accept it in the court system it should be acceptable in our bible 
<laughs> yeah, oddly enough, a, a point of context, too, is, is that whenever they were going out uh, witnessing, whenever Jesus sent them out two by two, the Jewish people, like you couldn't just, one person couldn't give testimony against one person. You had to have two people give yeah. the testimony against that. So those are the sorts of things that, I, that I've kind of gleaned or learned. Uh, but really, too, uh, it's really about not just accepting that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I like to call him, uh, I like to call him, he's essentially master. I, I'm a slave to him. I'm a slave uh, to God's will. And I don't really know that um, most people accept the authority of Jesus in their lives. In fact, I heard it on the radio, and I'm not even sure if it's an accurate number, but it was somewhere around 5% of Christians do the steps or do the things that it takes to kind of show that they allow Jesus to be an authority uh, figure in their life, which seems super small percentage. Um, but that's one thing that I at least try to do. And once again, I'm not perfect at it. Uh, but if we can take even a group of Christians, group of non-Christians, whatever the case may be, show them a scripture study and they can come to the point themselves that Jesus needs to become the authority in their lives. Uh, man, that is life changing for that person and really can lead to a place where I'd like to see it go, which is revival among Christians themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And if we're stronger together then we need to help strengthen what would be like the weakest link or or christians who are maybe struggling we need to help strengthen them so that we can be stronger together as a body that's the whole point in the body of christ is to come together learn together and help each other learn and grow closer to god and i i see that in what you're in what you're doing there that's that that's helping with that um Fellowship is another thing that I think is, is incredibly important in, in the church back then, but also in today's church and something that we've been lacking due to COVID and, and that, and a lot of people just haven't been putting in that effort. Um, so in your own church setting, how do you see fellowship improving the body of Christ and working and working in your own life? Yeah, so fellowship, so I, I actually lead the Zoom group. There is an in-person group too, um, which I haven't been to because I lead the Zoom group that's right after. So fellowship can really be changed. Um, you know, I would encourage anybody to go to an in-person group if possible um, and go to a small group. Small groups have been life-changing to me. To me, small groups are more important than going to church on Sunday. Um, I mean, you got that, you know, if you're just going to church, you're getting Sunday to Sunday, you need that once a week in between as well as going to church every Sunday. Uh, and, and the, really the biggest reason is, is, and I, I really recommend getting amongst your own gender. So men for men, women for women. And the reason is, is because you can really be more open, uh, and they kind of understand some of your issues. Uh, and honestly, if a guy's sitting there next to his wife or his girlfriend, he's not going to open up about some of the stuff, right? Like he's going to tell maybe even a complete stranger more than he's going to tell his wife or his girlfriend. So there's really transformation that could come through small group through fellowship. So that's the way I see it going. And then also if you're in a small group, text, email, message back and forth constantly. Uh, you know, I call, I call the guys in my group. They're my brothers. They, they really, really are. And I get just as much out of leading that group every week as they do. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that, yeah, as 
when you're trying to teach other people, you end up learning almost as much as they do. <laughs> like it's yeah, because it's, you have to make sure it's right. You can't yeah, exactly. teach you don't you don't want to be a false teacher, so you need to make sure that what you're gonna tell them is correct. So you study that particular portion super hard and you get to know it super well. Yeah, and that's with my devotion podcast. I've had to I've learned so much because I have to do so much research every thing for everything I'm doing. And I've I've grown in terms of what like I'm not just reading what I'm what I'm doing anymore. Now I'm actually going through highlighting parts in devotions and, and then uh, tying in my own, my own stuff in there. And I always pray before every single interview or everything like God speak through this work through this because I, I, we, we can't do it just ourselves. We need God to be, to be guiding that because otherwise we could fall into what you call false teaching. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's the part. I mean, I, I feel like, a lot of times, not necessarily false teaching, but, you know, people want to make Jesus who they want him to be. And they want to put him in his own little box. But if you really read through and study the scriptures, it's the same problem that, uh, that the Jewish leaders had with Jesus. He was here. He was performing miracles. They could see that he was doing things to be the Messiah, the son of man. And they had to deal with that. Yeah, they had to terrible. deal with that fact of who Jesus really was. And if we study scripture, we have to deal with it too. We have to decide what we're going to do with Jesus. Yeah. And, and deal with whatever Jesus is convicting us of in our own lives. Like that's, that's a lot of what small groups especially does is like it, it can convict you in terms of what you're doing in your life and how you're living your life and be like, Oh, I need to, I need to change this. Am I willing to change this? And we need to be at that point where we are willing to say, yes, Lord, I, I hear you, but let's do this. Like, <laughs> and small groups is very important. I, our church is going to be getting back into small groups here this fall and uh, I'm supposed to be helping lead them. So hopefully. Uh, well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. I, I strongly recommend a, a SOMA Bible study. So are you guys not allowed to um, meet in person yet? Is that the kind of yeah, case? We are. Um, they had just very limited rules and stuff. And our province has opened up our federally. They've not like taken a lot of the restrictions away, but provincially our province has said, you know, do away with these things. But um, there's still like, there was up until very, just a couple of weeks back, there was, there was definitely restrictions still in place in terms of gathering and your sizes, mask wearing, like all that kind of stuff. So um, we had just kind of shied away from a lot of, a lot of that. So we could avoid what the government was <laughs> going against government. Cause we are called to follow the government unless it's really going against our religion and wearing a mask or restricting. So we can do online stuff. Isn't really going against our religion. So our church chose to, to follow those guidelines. Not all churches did. And uh, I'm not going to judge them that that is their decision, but our church, we followed the guidelines. Um, so just to kind of wrap things up here, if you could give one piece of advice to someone who's really trying to grow closer to God, but maybe struggling, what would you, what piece of advice would you give them? I, well, I'd probably do several, but the first one would be, and I think we hit on it extensively, uh, get either in a small group or get around uh, a group of Christians who preferably have been uh, in faith a long time. Mm -hmm. um, 
but really what, what's going to come with that or what should come with that is getting in your Bible every day, uh, if not every week for several hours and, um, and, and in, t- in, in pretty intense prayer, at least every morning. And, um, if, and, and there's two things, if you don't know what to pray, Lord's prayer is a great prayer to play, pray. And also if you don't know what to pray, just be in God's presence. Cause the Holy spirit will take care of that part for you. Yeah. Just listen sometimes or not sometimes, but most of the time listening is, is the most important part of prayer. <laughs> yes. Which is yeah. hard to do. It is not hard easy. to do. <laughs> uh, any final thoughts before we, uh, before we sign off? Yeah, I would, uh, I would, like I said, I would just, anybody listening to this, uh, if you're not in a small group, getting one now, uh, preferably that meets every week, 52 weeks a year. Um, and if not, uh, feel free to uh, put, I'll have him put my uh, email address out there. I do lead a SOMA Bible study on Tuesday nights via Zoom, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Um, not everybody is from our area. We do actually have at least one person that is from several hours away. So yeah. and I'll put a link to your, to your podcast and, uh, yes, another video there. So, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yes. So, and if you can't go to a small group at all, feel free to listen to the, the Soma Bible study podcast, because that's exactly the same thing you'll hear us going through. That, that is that podcast. Uh, some of the people that listen to it have described it as, a Bible study for people on the go that maybe can't meet in a group. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Well, thank you for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, stay tuned for the after show people. We'll uh, discuss a few more things here. I, I, uh, I know you had a couple more things you wanted to talk about, so yes. we'll discuss that in the after show there. So thanks everybody for uh, tuning in and uh, catch us in the after show, pay for the subscription so you can get that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you then. Well, I have just been uh, blessed with so many people who are requesting to be on the show, and I'm impressed with how many people want to share their testimonies or what they're doing uh, for the Lord right now. Uh, If I haven't got back to you, I promise I will get back to you. Uh, I look forward to to speaking with each of you and interviewing you, and uh, keep tuning into the show. There's lots of, of new people that are coming on here, and if you're considering wanting to to come on the show uh just shoot me an email at tpeters745 at gmail.com and uh, i will get back to you